Well, good morning, saints. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship on this Lord's Day. If you're visiting with us, we're very happy to have you with us here at Providence. We do hope you are blessed this morning and that you are warmly received by our congregation. Uh, Last week, uh, it was very obvious. I was dealing with um, problems with my voice. It's coming back, but it's still a little bit weak. And so I'm thankful that I'm getting better. But um, uh, just say a little prayer that I can get through all of this uh, today. Uh, Before we begin our service of worship, uh, we do have uh, several announcements. Uh, This morning, we are pleased to announce that we will be receiving uh, Luke and Max Molina into communicant membership. Also, we are pleased to announce as well that Mallory Sr. has been approved for communicant membership at Providence. Also, Linda Nelson is planning a ladies' luncheon at Applebee's in Round Rock, and that is Saturday. That's scheduled for Saturday, July 29th. It looks like that's... um, That's this Saturday, July 29th at 11 a.m., so please let Linda know if you would like to attend uh, that. Also, if you would, please keep on your minds and hearts the various prayer requests that are listed there in the insert in your bulletin this week. Our family of the week is Linda Nelson, so please pray for Linda uh, throughout the week as you are uh, able. And please uh, be mindful of uh, the various prayer requests uh, that are listed there as well. Well, friends, we have gathered here in the name of Jesus Christ to worship the only true and living God. As the music plays now, let us prepare our hearts to worship him. saints of providence presbyterian church grace to you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ if you would now please stand as we hear our god call us to worship him from psalm 131 O lord my heart is not lifted up my eyes are not raised too high i do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let us now sing the doxology. God, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of maidservants look to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes will look to you, O Lord, our God and our King, until you have mercy upon us. 
We pray, Father, that you would bless us this morning with your presence, fill us with contentment and the benefits of salvation that our King Jesus has supplied for us. We pray this all in his mighty name. Amen. If you would now turn in your hymnals to Psalm 84b, O Lord of hosts, how lovely, Psalm 84b. to invite you now to turn to the front of your Trinity hymnal on page Roman numeral 16. Page Roman numeral 16, you will find a list of the Ten Commandments, which we will read together. 
The Apostle Paul says that the letter kills. The gospel brings to life. As we read God's law, we are reminded of all the ways in which we sin against God. Let us be mindful of that. Let us seek mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ that we might have life. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, beloved, having now heard God's law, let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you, Claiming to be wise, we have become fools. We exchange the truth about God for a lie. We have worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We have been filled with all manner of unrighteousness. We are full of envy, murder, and deceit. We are gossips and slanderers. We are insolent, boastful, foolish, faithless, and heartless. Forgive us, we pray, by the blood of Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Beloved, God is gracious and merciful to all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The gospel declares that your sins are forgiven, as we see in the book of Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Amen. If you would now turn in your hymnals to hymn 352, 352, Man of Sorrows, what a name. And let's all stand together as we sing.
seated. I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Today we will look at verses 21 uh, through 24. focus of the sermon this morning is on 21 through uh, 24. I'll begin the reading of verse 18, however, and I'd like to read through uh, 26. We are going to take this section, 21 through 24, uh, in two sermons. Um, This is that wonderful verse in scripture where Paul says to live is Christ, to die is And to die is gain. And so I would like to take two weeks to look at what Paul is saying in these verses. And so this week we'll focus on, of course, as the title of the sermon says, to live uh, is Christ. Before we hear God's word, let us go to him once again in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father and our God, as we sojourn through this valley of tears and as you lead us uh, to streams of and pools of peace and restoration that is coming with the new age. We pray, Father, that you would give us spiritual strength uh, to do your commandments, to obey the words of Christ, and give us the strength by your word. Father, strengthen us by your gospel. Conform us, body and soul and mind, into the image of Jesus Christ, that he might be magnified in our bodies, whether by life or by death. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Beloved, this is the word of God. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For, me, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord remains forever. In verse 20, Paul gives the reason why he could have great confidence that whether through life or death, Christ would be glorified through him. But also, I think, one of the reasons why he could rejoice in the midst of suffering. To live is Christ and to die is gain. If he dies, Christ will be magnified by his service in the gospel. If he lives, he will continue to serve The gospel serve the church, and in that way, Christ will be magnified, glorified, whether by life or 
by death. But he also gives a reason here why he could rejoice in the midst of suffering. Verse 20, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I will rejoice. I rejoice that Christ is proclaimed, yes, and I will rejoice. And he goes on to say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There are a couple of things we should think about here already. First, Paul once again invites the Philippians to take a peek into his soul. He's opening himself up to the church here. He says, for to me, that is to say, from the very depths of my heart, this is how I feel. This is what I believe. This is what my life is grounded upon. This is inside me, and this is... I'm sharing this with you. And what the Philippians would come to find out as Paul was doing this, as they looked into Paul's heart, was something probably fairly surprising. And we'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. But this is what Paul was doing. He was opening up his heart to them, for to me. The second thing is this. Paul was clearly talking about life and death. There's no question, this is what is on his mind here, and this is what he is talking about in these verses, life and death. He's giving answers to the questions, what does it mean to live? And also, what does it mean to die? Big questions, are they not? Lots and lots of people have sought to answer these questions in their own way, through their pagan philosophy, through false religions, whatever it may be. But Paul, of course, was speaking about life and death under the infallible inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so this is truth. This is true truth. This is truth for everyone, whether you believe or not. But aside from this, Paul was speaking to Christians. He was talking to the Philippian church. And so, to some degree, his listeners had already been acquainted with what the Word of God says about life and death. What what is the actual truth about these questions? What does it mean to live, and what does it mean to die? And so they'd already become acquainted with some of the answers to these questions, or at least the essence of the answers to these questions. That men and women die... Because of our sins, or that men and women die, is because of our sins. That is something that the Philippians would have already been familiar with. They would have already also been familiar with the fact that Christ has defeated death by his death and by his powerful resurrection on the third day. He died so that Christians might not die. He died in place of us. Whoever believes in Christ then will not perish. They will not die. They will live. And so that's something that the Philippians had come to hear about and believe. And that's something that they already knew, even as Paul before wrote, Paul, before Paul wrote this uh, letter. And so as he said years earlier to the Corinthian church about death, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? Now this truth that the Philippians had already on some level come into contact with And this truth that we know as well, as Christians, this truth is all well and good so long as it's truth 
about death that's out there. It's great truth as long as it's a truth about somebody else dying. Not me dying. I don't want to think about that right now. More likely, or I don't need to think about that right now, maybe because of your age or you think you're in tip-top shape, the best health that you've been in, or like I've said before, maybe you just don't want to think about it, as a Christian even. But Paul, at this point, was not afforded this privilege. Death, by way of execution, was a very real prospect for him in prison. He had to think about it. And so Paul was speaking about death and life here as one who had a measure of authority on the subject. He very possibly could die. And so verse 21, for me, for to me, to die. What does it mean? What does it mean when the Christian dies? That's what he's dealing with here. What does it mean for Paul to die? Naturally, as one is compelled to think about death in a more concentrated way, they are also compelled to think about life, living. If you're forced to think about the end of your life, for whatever reason, you are naturally forced to think about what it means to live. What does it mean to live as a Christian? What, what is important? That is what Paul is dealing with here. And so Paul tells us, for me to live is Christ. Now the apostle said a similar thing several years before he wrote this letter. In a letter to the Galatians. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, to understand what this means here, we need to take a look at what he says about living in the following verses. He refers to living in the flesh twice here. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh. And then verse 24, but to remain in the flesh. Now, this was just really another way of saying to live. What does it mean to live as a Christian in the flesh, in this body, to be a Christian and to continue living in this age? It means that Christ, on one level here, it means that Christ is present with you by his Holy Spirit. To live is Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so to live in the flesh, in this age, in Your body at this time is Christ, is to have Christ dwelling in you, with you, present with you by his spirit. Body and soul, you are united to him. His life is your life. To live is Christ. Your soul has been renewed. You have been given a new heart by Christ. But so long as we live in this wicked age, these renewed souls that we possess in Christ, they are housed by physical bodies susceptible to death. And that's something of what Paul was referring to here when he's talking about remaining in the flesh, in this physical body. We have to live in this body. If you live, you live in a body. You have no other way to live, at least on this side of the grave. If Paul were to be executed in prison the authorities would kill his body. They did not have authority over his soul. Jesus made that clear. Now, this state of living is true for all of us, friends, whether we are facing execution or not. 
We live in the flesh. We remain in the flesh. A flesh that is susceptible to death. Our bodies are vulnerable to death. That is part of the experience that we have as Christians to live in this age. Now, had Christ not died for us, had Christ not ransomed us by his death, we would suffer not only physical death, but spiritual death as well, which would last forever. But that is something that Christians will not experience, spiritual death, because Christ died. But our bodies, however, our bodies, the flesh, as Paul calls it here, they can die. Your flesh can return to the dust from which it came. Now this physical death that even Christians experience can be traced back to the consequences of Adam's sin and our sin, of course, The wages of sin is death. That is what scripture teaches us. But for the Christian, Jesus Christ, by his death, has taken away forever the sting of death. It's gone. Death is now a passageway into life. Another type of life, which, Lord willing, we'll look at next week. For now, what this means as a Christian for Paul, as a Christian for Paul and for Paul, in our inner being... In the power and the fellowship of the Spirit of Christ, we have a life that is associated with heaven. Inner being is made for heaven. It's renewed. We are a new creation in our inner being fit for another type of experience, another type of life, eternal life, the age to come. But this soul that we have today that's meant for there, dwells and lives in a physical body here, in the flesh, remaining in the flesh. This flesh is associated, this body is associated with this old age that's passing away. And so your body, when you die, will return to the dust, the dust that is part of a whole creation that is passing away. That is what these bodies are associated with, our physical bodies, that old age, corrupted and cursed by sin. So you you can imagine, if that's true, the tension that Christians live with every day of their lives. We have souls that are fit for the age to come that are housed in physical temples, bodies that are prone to pass away, uh, destined for the grave. Now, part of what is good about the gospel, friends, is that on the last day, Christ will raise these physical bodies from the grave. That's not the end of the story, your dust returning to dust. That is not the end of your body's existence. At the end of the age, Christ will raise these bodies from the grave and he will glorify them. He will make them fit for heavenly existence. He will make our bodies fit for heaven. They are not fit now. If you were forced to put on all black insulated ski gear as you left here this morning and you walked outside, you would know immediately that that outfit is not fit for Texas summer in July. And so you would want to get rid of that that clothing. It's similar with our bodies. Our bodies are not fit for heaven yet. And yet, this is what we have. <laughs> this is what we've been given until and that day 
uh, comes. Our bodies, as they currently are, are not yet fit to be with the Lord in a sinless existence, so we die. But until we die, we live and move in the flesh. Now, what does that look like, or what should it look like? Well, for Paul, he says, to live is Christ. Now, literally, in the original, if you take the original literally, he says, to live Christ. Up front, to be a Christian means that the life we are given in this age should be used to glorify Christ, to make him look good, to magnify him, to magnify his love in this body. That is what it means to be a Christian. We live by faith in Christ. Paul mentions the glory of Christ in verse 26. In verse 29, he says, It is granted to Christians to not only believe in Christ, but to suffer for him. To put it another way, Christ should not be compartmentalized in your life. To live is sports. To live is my job. To live is even my marriage, relationships with others. To live is to make sure that my kids are successful. No, that is not what Paul says. Although those things are good and you learn how to deal with those things from your relationship with Christ, Paul says fundamentally to live is Christ, to make him look good in all of your dealings with people, in all of your dealings in this world as you remain in the flesh. Everything you do in the flesh, in this life, should be done for him. That's what this means. Everything. Every single thing. As you remain in this flesh, everything you do should be done for Christ. To live is Christ. Now look at how Paul further characterizes life in Christ and for Christ. If I am to live, verse 22, if I am to live, this means fruitful labor for me. Verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Remember, he's speaking to the church. He's thinking about living, living in the flesh as a Christian. What does it mean? It means to magnify Christ. Well, what does that look like? Paul tells us here in verse 22 and 24, if I'm to live, it's fruitful labor for me in the church. Verse 24, it's more necessary on your account, the church's account. Meaning, for Paul, he's saying this, me continuing to live does not mean retirement from service. It does not ultimately mean retirement from work. It means God will use my ministry to build you up. Paul says it is necessary, it is labor, it's work. To live is partly, according to Paul, to continue to labor, to serve. To live is Christ, partly means to continue to serve and to work. Paul, for Paul, living meant working. If I live, fruitful labor, work. To live as Christ, what does that look like? Labor for the church, working for Christ, producing fruit, as far as he was able, of course. Not just fruitful labor anywhere, but fruitful labor for the church. He says, on your account, he has the church in mind. Verse 29, your progress and joy in the faith. Remember again, he's thinking about the biggest questions you can possibly ask 
as a human being? What does it mean to live and what does it mean to die? These are the questions that Christian asks ask as well. We still struggle with the true meaning behind the answers to these questions. What does it mean to live? What does it mean to die? Paul is giving us the answer to one of these questions here. What does it mean uh, to live? And as he's thinking about these things and answering those questions, he has the church in mind. And so Paul, what we see here then is that Paul defined living in this age by his union with Christ, which necessarily involved Paul's relationship to the church, right? He defined living in this age, first and foremost in his relationship to Christ, but what that entails is that he had to define living in his relationship to the church. What does it mean to live? You have to think about your union with Christ when you answer that question. And because of that, you have to think about the church. What does it mean to live? To live as Christ. To live is to serve Christ and his body, the church. That's how Paul answers the question. If I live, I live to magnify Christ. What does that look like? Serving the church. Now, we are not apostles. We all, friends, though, all have a role to play in the church. Your relationship to Christ and his church should not just be one part of your life among lots of other parts. It wasn't for Paul. That's where he began. For me, for, to me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ, to, have, to see him magnified, and that means to lay down my body for my brothers and sisters in the church, especially for the brothers and sisters in the church closest to you. Your wife, your husband, your children. It begins there. Think about what it means to live as Christ in that capacity. And then you will be fit to serve the broader church. But this is where the Apostle Paul began. Now why? Why did Paul go here? Why does he answer this question this way? Why does all of this come to mind when he's thinking about living? Because this is how Christ lived. He came to earth and labored for us. He worked for us, the church. He laid down his life for us. He had no other agenda than to glorify his father by laboring and dying for his bride, the church. That's why he came. That was who Paul was united to in faith. And because of what Christ has done, it taught Paul how to live. And it teaches us how to live as well. The gospel, friends, that is where we get our understanding of what Paul meant here. To live is Christ. To him be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father and our God, we bless your holy name and glorify you for giving us eternal life in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the union that we have with this resurrected Savior and for the life 
that he has given to us within our very souls, within our very hearts, like springs of living water by your spirit. And so we pray, Father, that as we contemplate what it means to live in this age, what it means to suffer and die on this side of the grave, on this side of the second coming, we pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom from your word on how to magnify Christ in our bodies in this life how to serve one another in love as Christ served us, and to truly take upon this statement, this profound statement from the Apostle Paul that governed his entire existence, to live is Christ. Father, we pray that you would continually teach us to know what this means for us and and to understand what this looks like in our families and in the church. Father, we pray now for the nations of the world. We pray for every country, every people group. We ask, Lord Jesus, that your mercy would be upon them all, even as you govern all things in heaven and on earth, and you make countries fit for the service of the gospel. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to do this. We pray for those countries that are are closed off to the word of God, that are closed off to the light that comes to the, the gospel that are walking in darkness. We pray, Father, that you would open up doors uh, to lead your servants there to bring the truth into these lands. Father, we pray for our country. We thank you for the many privileges we have here as the church to worship in freedom without fear of persecution. We do pray for our leaders, and we pray that you would grant them your wisdom and grace. We pray, Father, even as our culture descends further and further into darkness and corruption and chaos. We pray, Father, that you would make the light of the gospel and the light of the church shine all the brighter. Father, we pray for uh, our, the work of home missions through our denomination and through other faithful uh, Christian groups. We pray, Father, that you would uh, bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them as we think especially of the Jacksons this morning serving in Uganda. We pray for the work of home missions in this region through the OPC and through our sister denominations and through faithful uh, servants in this city. We pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen uh, this work and strengthen the leaders there who serve in this capacity. Father, we lift up to you now the needs of our church. We thank you for every family here and for your grace to us all. We lift up to you those who face cancer, struggling with this, thinking of Arlene Rogers, Kathy Norris, Jim Witt. William Scott, we pray, Father, that your mercy and your uh, compassion would uh, be at work in the lives of these people and their families. Father, we lift up to you as well our, the elderly in our uh, church and those who faith, face trials of body and mind. We think today of Eileen, Dorothy, Kay, Joyce, Jean, Hal, Alan, Corey's mother, Hikari, Rosalie, Broccolo family. We pray for Iona and for the Milam family, and for Claire Deasing. We pray, Father, that you would uh, multiply your grace to all of these individuals and their families. We pray that you would alleviate their pain, but above all, through their suffering, we pray that you would draw them closer uh, to your chest and that they would grow in their faith and love for Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the Acorafors. They search for a home and for uh, our expectant mothers. We think of Rebecca and Emerald this morning. Father, Uh, surround them with your love and uh, keep them as the apple of your eye. And we pray for um, our mission work in Ukraine as well. 
Father, we lift up to you this morning our beloved sister, Linda Nelson. We thank you for her tireless efforts to serve the church here at Providence and at large. We pray, Father, that you would provide for all of her needs, for both her soul and her body. We ask, Lord, that you would establish her steps and the wisdom that she gets from the gospel. Father, encourage her in her service to the church. Encourage her uh, in her faith. And we pray, Father, that you uh, would lead us to have much compassion and grace for her as we continually pray for her and serve her needs. Father, we thank you for Linda, and we ask that you would bless her mightily. Our Lord God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and his promise that whether two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. And so we commit all of these prayers unto you through him, our Savior and King, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, beloved, we now have the wonderful opportunity to respond to the gospel of free grace with our free and gracious uh, giving. May the Lord of the harvest be pleased to use our sacrifices to extend his kingdom in this world. Amen. And Max Molina to come forward now and for the session of Providence to come forward as well. I'd like to remind you uh, that Luke and Max, by virtue of their baptism into the church, have already been members of the church. They are not now becoming members. They've already been members of the covenant community. They've been receiving the blessings of the gospel from a very young age. Uh, But they are now becoming communicant members. They were non-communicant members, meaning they had yet to confess their faith publicly before the church and before God, which is what they're doing uh, now. And so 
friends, let us also be reminded that they belong to us, we belong to them, and we are called to support them in everything uh, that they do. Now, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank God for the grace that was given to you. you. You have accepted God's covenant promise that was signified and sealed in your infancy by holy baptism. We now ask that you profess your faith publicly. Do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Do you believe in one living and true God, in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh? Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, and that you trust for salvation not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord, and do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, and put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service, to submit in the Lord to its government, and to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? Well, from the time that Luke and Max were baptized, we have all been obligated to love them and to serve them as a member of the church. As Luke and Max are now entering into full communion, have been given now the privilege to receive the elements at the Lord's Supper, we still have that obligation upon us uh, to serve them, to love them, to pray for them, to be an example to them. These vows, most of you took. I took these vows. I'm reminded of the promises I made before God and before the church. Those obligations don't go away once you step off this podium. And so we we are obligated to show that to Luke and Max uh, throughout the rest of their lives uh, with us. Well, beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with God's people, and in particular, to participation in the sacrament of the Holy Supper. I charge you, Luke, Max, to continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made, humbly relying upon the grace of God and the diligent use of the means of grace, the word, sacraments, and prayer, and rest assured that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father who is in heaven. Now may the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father and our God, what joy it gives us to see your covenant faithfulness at work in the lives of your people, especially in our children. We thank you for the work that you're doing in Luke and Max and drawing them here to this moment. We pray, Father, that as they take these vows upon their lips, that they would seal them upon their hearts and that throughout the course of their days, in this life, until we await the age to come, we pray, Father, that they would serve you with their bodies. We pray that they would seek to magnify Christ, whether by life or by death. And we pray, Father, that we as a church body would do the same, and that we would serve them in love and be an example to them. 
We thank you once again for your faithfulness to this family, to these boys. Bless them and keep them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as usual, we will invite Luke and Max to come uh, back up after the service so you can uh, uh, commend them on their courage to take this step and uh, uh, to encourage them in the faith. Well, beloved, if you would now turn in your hymnals to page 851, if you need to do so, there you will find the Apostles' Creed, which we will now profess uh, together as our uh, confession of faith in the gospel. And let us all stand together as we do so. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you would now turn to hymn 446, our final hymn, Be Thou My Vision, hymn 446. Thank you. 
Once again, I would like to invite Luke and Max to come up here after the service, after the benediction, so that you can commend them uh, on this wonderful step in their Christian walk. Now, friends of God, receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.